Hi, you are listening to Mehmuni, a brand new podcast where I have little conversations with my friends, trying to get to know them a little bit better. Today we have Negin, who I'm very excited to speak with. Negin, hi. Hi, Ayla. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for thank you for being here. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? What do you do and and things like that? Sure. So uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Negin. Um, I am 26 years old and I am a strategy consultant um, and I've done about two years um, working as a strategy consultant in London um, with a, uh, a big consulting firm here. And I've also done two years of working at the same company, but um, in Qatar, in Doha, for two years, and now I'm back in London, um, and I am working remotely, but still for the Qatar office. Exciting stuff. Tell us a little bit more about what a strategy consultant does, because it can seem quite vague, just the title itself. Sure, yeah, I mean, it sounds super, um, super broad and fake, and that's probably because it kind of is, um, it's not, it's a real job, but it's very broad. So a lot of, um, a lot of what I do, um, and a lot of different, a lot of strategy consultants can do different things. That's why I say a lot of what I do is, um, we look at a business, um, who maybe wants to go public. So wants to become a listed company. Mm-hmm. And in order for you to be able to do that, you need to be, um, you know, having healthy profits across all your business, um, lines and be able to showcase that and a bunch of other stuff. So what we help companies do is um, create a business plan to showcase that they are at a healthy, profitable um, level so that they can be listed. Um, That's just one example of what I do, but essentially strategy consulting um, falls under a lot of different services that you can provide. Mm -hmm. Um, And essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to strategize um, the business or a problem within that business. So, I don't know if I made it make sense. <laughs> it's, not, but, it's a lot clearer and it definitely <laughs> makes sense. Um, but that's, it's sort of like a, brought up another question and I'm sorry mm-hmm. if this is a silly one, um, but are there, can you specialize as a strategy consultant in a specific thing or are strategy consultants just these amazing people that know everything about everything? Well, we're definitely amazing people. I mean, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, no, I'm kidding. It's you're you're completely right in asking that question because you can specialize, and uh, a lot of people do specialize, and you can specialize in an industry um, or a um, an offering. So, for example, you can specialize in transport, and you can give a lot of um, strategy consulting advice to transport companies. And what's great is that, and our the reason why these companies exist essentially is because individuals become experts in certain areas mm-hmm. and they become experts because they work with probably the main companies within an industry. So if you're talking about um, transport, for example, right. they'll work with Transport for London, they'll work with um, Chiltern Rail, they'll work with all of those different companies. So they know everything about everyone who's competing against each other in that industry. Mm-hmm. So they're essentially paying you for the info and the intel you have on competitors so it's kind of juicy <laughs> that just the office drama must be yeah 
<laughs> oh my god do you know what i've just started watching the office us i've never <laughs> seen it before and it's gold like it's comedy gold it's so good um and we had an intern that came and worked with us in the Qatar office. Mm-hmm. Um, and within kind of a week of being there, we, we, we got really friendly and we were like super, super close. He was um, from the US, mm-hmm. uh, but his family lived in Doha. So whilst he was back home, he, he came to intern. And right. he was just like, Nagin, I can name people in your office with people from the office and they are exactly the same people. And then I was just like, oh, okay. It was a passing comment. And then I started watching it and I was like, oh my God, I work with these people. That is, wait, hold up. Did he name you? Do you have- No, but I would, I would put myself as Pam in that, in that situation. (laughs) Um, not because I'm not because I'm obsessed with myself, but just because, um, we were always like not working and just chatting and joking around it was not busy season so got it got it um (laughs) negging is amazing at what she does um oh don't let this little (laughs) (laughs) yeah sorry recruiters Uh, (laughs) Uh, that's not what i do no um i love so yeah it's really it's do you know what that plays into something else like we we work hard but we also (laughs) we play hard as well it's not always like long hours um so we are getting to know you by asking all these questions if you were to meet someone new and you really want to get to know them what is the go-to question you ask god that's a that's a really hard question a good question (laughs) i think um i think it's interesting to know someone to know someone from like i have a lot of friends who i've known for years um and you can see how they change over the years so knowing them from when they were a kid to knowing them when they're older um so I don't know I'd ask about how they've maybe changed since they were younger like something like an attribute that they wish that they still had or an attribute that they they're glad they got rid of it just it speaks well to like knowing how someone's changed from their childhood to their to adulthood and I don't know it just tells me a lot I always like to know about someone's childhood (laughs) like a therapist <laughs> tell me more <laughs> tell me more yeah um, I love to psychoanalyze um I I actually quite I quite like that um and I'd never really thought of that um well if I were to flip the script and, and ask you what childhood attribute you wish you still had or are glad that you got rid of what would the answer be I think well, mine's kind of, my answer's kind of sad, but I think a lot of women feel like this and it's probably, I wish I was more confident. So I don't know if you were like this, but for me, when I was a kid, I was always um, just, yeah, super confident and like um, happy with myself and all of my achievements as a four-year-old. <laughs> um, but no, I was just super confident. And then the older that you get, the more you're judged against these metrics that really yeah aren't that important but you're constantly judging yourself against especially being a woman especially being an Iranian woman (laughs) so yeah I think you just inevitably I I inevitably just lost that do you think there was a specific moment where that happened was it school was it work was it just you know life (laughs) yeah (laughs) life's shit no um it just I think it was um gradual. I wouldn't say that there was a turning point where where I sat down and I was like, oh my gosh, 
I've lost all my confidence. I think it's just the older you get as a, as a woman, the more you're, like I said, judged against these, like, I don't know, the way you look or the way you speak or how you act, which is, you know, everyone's always being judged on that, whether you're yeah. a man or a woman. But um, I became more self-aware of those things and judged myself more harshly on those things. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely gradual. <laughs> yeah, I think, for sure. I think you're definitely... It, it, that's that's a good observation because it, it definitely happens to everyone just you know the older you get you lose that sense of childlike wonder um and you know and you get hit with some of life's realities but as a woman like you said there are a lot more things that you're exactly. hit with yeah um hmm, okay maybe we'll, yeah. we'll get back to this one again <laughs> when we when we dig into yeah the work life and the the corporate world um well, if, okay, now that we're on this topic, if yeah. Negin today was to give younger Negin a piece of advice, what would it be? Whether this is pre-losing that sense of childlike wonder or whatever, if it's work, advice, what would you tell her? God, this, um, okay. This is going to probably make people not want to be strategy consultants, and I don't want to do that because it's not that bad. But um, I would probably tell myself to have more conviction in following something that I enjoy doing. So instead of going down the route of go to a good university, study a good course, get a good job, you know, the good in quotation marks, you know, what everyone else thinks is good, I would have probably pushed myself to. Um, go towards something that's more enjoyable, more creative. Right. But I would have also wished that I developed, like developed those skills. So because our family was very like education oriented, you know, um, we were always pushed towards studying. Uh, right. By we, I mean myself and my brother. Sure. So we were always pushed uh, towards studying and getting good grades and, you know, school is everything. What we didn't do, and it's no, no fault of my parents, but um, just by virtue of being lazy, we didn't try and, um, you know, try and find other things that we might find interesting. Mm -hmm. So anything to do with art or anything to do with music, we never really stuck to because the primary focus and the primary goal was studying. So, um, yeah, so I would probably wish that <laughs> as a younger person I pushed myself towards trying these different things and then maybe developing um the interests that I think I have now mm -hmm. at child in like in during childhood right and then following that through and pursuing that through a career but the grass is always greener on the other side yeah and I feel like <laughs> I feel like it's not it wouldn't have been as rosy as I'm you know thinking it would have been but um but maybe it would have been cool to just explore those things. I get that. I mean, and it's, it's not late. You're like 20, 25, 26. You're, yeah. you're a baby uh, in, in the great scheme of things. But I, I definitely have that as well. Because um, I remember my parents, you know, tried to get me to learn the guitar, the piano. I had all these tutors that would come to the house and try and teach me. And I just, I did nothing. Yeah, and and I sort of like look back now at young me, and I'm like, girl, how many nights? I mean, you should have practiced, practice your skills. 
Yeah. Um, really, again, it's, it is really easy to be hard on yourself when you look back and say, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. Um, but, you know, if the passion's not there, maybe it's it'll there. It yeah. develop at a later stage and that's, that's still okay. Yeah. It's not all doom and gloom. <laughs> oh, and, you know, um, you're quite a badass in your job. Like, you are really good at what you do. Um, I, I didn't always understand what it is that you do, but I did understand that you're really good at it. Okay. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about what it's like for a young woman in the corporate world um, doing what you do um, and what I would assume is, would be quite high stakes um, in terms of the advice you have to give and, and, and things like that. Can you talk to talk about that side a little bit more of course I mean I it's really it's not everyone sits there and says you know their job is quite tough and it has some difficulties that surround it and um it's true for strategy consulting as well it's super it can get super stressful um and I think the main reason for that is that it comes with this idea that you are always at the beck and call of the client because you're offering a service and the service is your knowledge mm-hmm. about the industry or the project that you're working on. Uh, people really just want to, to get as much out of you as is possible because right. they're paying you, um, uh, you know, they're paying your firm a, a large amount of money. So because you're offering this service, um, you're always switched on. Mm-hmm. And you're always tapped in to making sure that your client is content with the work that you're actually delivering. So what can be stressful is that you can't switch off. So if the client asks you for something at, um, you know, six o'clock in the evening, you will sit there and you will do something at six o'clock in the evening. Like you, it's, it, there's no saying no. Right. Um, and because of that, from the top down, um, the person who's supposed to be your team leader. Mm-hmm. So we, it's a partnership where I work. So right. the partner um, is trying to please that client. So they are very much in favor of making their team work harder as well and delivering everything that they have to on time and to mm-hmm. the best of their ability. So um, this fosters an, a kind of environment where you have to um, really dedicate most of your time to your job. Right. Uh, and there's very little um, kind of after work, after work hours don't really exist essentially. So you're working throughout the day if you're on a project. So what does that mean? Is that sometimes um, you're, you don't have a social life sometimes, um, but it also means that you're, you know, you're giving up a lot of aspects and social aspects. Um, but the plus side of that, the benefit of that is that you are learning a lot. Yep. You're exposed to CEOs, CFOs, you know, the whole C-suites from a really young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're constantly having to teach yourself business knowledge, mm-hmm. um, which is a fluffy broad term, but it, literally you have to understand a business within a week yep. and then start telling them what they should do. Right. So it's high pressure. Yeah. It's really high pressure. Oh. Like, um, I mean, I know when you interview the doctors, this is going to sound like nothing, (laughs) but with, um, 
and, and it's not it's not that bad guys it's, I'm painting it to be horrible it's not but it's it can be stressful because you're trying to impress a client who's painting you right so you just you have to be switched on so you it's stress and like a lot of people drop out a lot of people can't handle it a lot of people get really upset and um you know they regret coming maybe into consulting which i have been through also especially as a woman again i don't want to play the woman card but it is and it can be a bit yeah <laughs> it can be a bit um a bit annoying because you know just like waking up and getting ready in the morning takes longer and that can affect you and you know when that happens consistently over time it can get tiring so circling back to your question which i forgot what it was <laughs> so woman in the corporate world you've worked in the uk you've worked in the middle east um how would you compare the two they're very different but also very similar. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> the way that they're super similar is that I was lucky enough to go with my company. So I was, um, you know, as soon as I landed, someone was there to pick me up and, you know, they, they really helped me um, feel comfortable mm -hmm. from the beginning. Um, and all of the, you know, little things like the laptops and the systems and everything that you're exposed to is just the same, right? So you feel that level of comfort. Um, in terms of where it was, uh, different it was um really chilled out so the london office was this huge office um there's ten thousand people allocated to the office you don't have a desk you just walk in and one day you'll find somewhere to sit and you sit there love that. Uh, yeah it's lovely people never know where you are so it's really good um <laughs> <laughs> with the Doha office, you have a desk and there's only 250 people, I think, right. in your office. So you're, you know, there's no way of hiding if you want to hide. But the, the flip side is I never felt the need to hide in my Doha office, which is super nice. Yeah, because it's just such a friendly environment. Mm -hmm. Of course, if you compare like a smaller company to a huge international and it's the same company but obviously they're different because everyone's a lot closer to smaller yeah, yeah. exactly so um i made really good friends because obviously you're sat in your same place all the time yeah around the same people um and so yeah i just really got to know them really well and made really good friends i also made super super close friends in the london office mm -hmm. um that you know we're still i still keep in touch with um but I didn't get to see them as often. Because there's an office of a thousand something people. 10,000, no yeah. One has so. <laughs> a, and no one has um, a desk. And um, no one has a desk. They just work standing up. Going back to something you said a little bit earlier about switching off. Um, in the quarantine, um, most people like myself have started working from home, which means your work hours are in a way longer because you start working earlier and you work until later hours in the evening. Um, and you know, you work through lunch, you could be making your dinner and then you check an email. So that whole, everything sort of gets mushed together um, and switching off is super, super important. Um, how do you do it? Good question. Do I do it? <laughs> um, okay, I'll tell you something. So, and I think this is the key to switching off that has worked with me. 
So if anyone wants some advice, this is how to do it. I don't think it's, I don't know if it's, an, it's a legal thing to do, but basically, <laughs> basically, um, what I've done right now is I, so I worked for the London office, transferred to the Doha office and then transferred back, um, not transferred, but moved back to London. I've currently moved back to London and I'm working for the Qatar office from London. So I'm using remote desktop type facility. Now, for the past week, I've not been using the remote desktop because it wasn't set up for me. So instead I've been using my personal laptop and whatever. Now, what's great about using your personal laptop and not having um, like a company-wide ID, and this is why I said it might be illegal, but not having a company-wide ID means that you're not, <laughs> you're not switched on all the time right. because you're not switched on to your um, Teams account or your Zoom account or whatever. You don't have it on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, that was the most peaceful week of work I've ever done because I wasn't reachable. So what I was doing was going on to work calls when I needed to. Mm-hmm. And then just doing my work in the meantime, and no one was bothering me with, uh, with anything in between because I wasn't accessible through Teams. Or if they emailed me, uh, you know, it might have taken a bit longer for me to reply because it was an email. I might have been doing something else. So I think the key to switching off, and I've taught myself this very recently, is try and be as little connected as possible. Try and not have a work phone. Try and, you know, if you're if you're on Teams, maybe go and do not disturb for a while or if you're on whatever, just try and not be as um accessible because like you said, you're making dinner and you're you have anxiety over the fact that someone has maybe emailed you, but it's like 8 p.m. <laughs> and you shouldn't really be reaching for your laptop anyway. Um unless you want to. But yeah. if you're if you have that anxiety, it's um it's really bad. And I, for the first time realized that, Oh, that's what that is. You know, when you, in retrospect. Yeah. And you know, it it becomes a habit. So you, you get used to like a weird little addiction to checking your emails and replying as as soon as possible. I get a little kick out of it. Like when I reply to an email quickly, I'm like, like, why are you proud? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's not a big deal. They can wait 20 minutes. They can wait an hour. It's not, it's not the end of the world. Um, but, but I guess that's, that's really good advice, Megan, and not just when it comes to work in, you know, day-to-day life as well, because we're so damn connected through yeah. Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, everything, um, that having that moment of peace is quite liberating and it feels really nice. Um, next question. Um, this one, again, sort of loops back to um, what you said at the beginning, and this was um, the confidence you said you had when you were younger. Um, do you think working in your line of business, you've you've managed to get some of that confidence confidence back, or you've do you have little tricks because you have to be this super confident woman, like you said, giving advice to these big companies after a week of knowing them essentially so what do you do what's your trick I guess or advice so I think what I've found for me that's really helped with confidence is just knowing as much of your shit as possible so just being very very aware of the company's business and a lot of a lot of in consulting especially a lot of the lack of confidence comes from the lack of knowledge so 
um, which is like completely okay and completely normal. So what you do is instead of you start panicking because you have so much to get through in such a short amount of time and um, you know, you either procrastinate or whatever. What I find the way I'm, the way I have that confidence that you're asking about is just research everything, know as much as you can, um, have questions prepared for the things that you don't know Mm -hmm. and just clarify and uh, it takes time to learn that it sounds so simple now that I say it out loud but when you've just started and you don't know how to go about you know maybe understanding something and you're just thrown thrown out with work yeah um, you can panic and crumble and because I haven't (laughs) been under pressure much throughout my life touch wood um you know that's what happened to me and you panic and you crumble and then you realize no actually because the guy next to me and the other guy next to me also don't know what's going on so I just need to get my head down and start researching um and then yeah and then that gives you confidence when you're in there and you know more than the two people sitting next to you that gives you and high heels if you want to <laughs> that's because I'm super sure <laughs> Do you have a favorite pair of heels? Is there a I good do. One? I had to throw them away because they were just, yeah. Just, so I just wore them too much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my God. That's, um, I love that. That's actually great advice. Um, just know, know what you're talking about. Yeah. Know your shit. Be prepared. Don't bullshit. You know what? Yeah. yeah. That's another. <laughs> I think like, the, especially with our generation, I'm, I'm sure it's, yeah, our generation, um, or a lot of my friends that I've spoken with sort of have imposter syndrome. And even if we know something, it's that doubt that's still there. Like, oh, ooh, I'm, I'm not good enough. Or how did I get this job? Or right. all those little thoughts in your head that try and sabotage you. But, but- I, think, I think that's normal because imagine like, let's say two, three generations ago, access yeah. to information was so much less than it is yeah. now like we have so much access to information so technically if you wanted to lock yourself in a room and read up on everything so you know the most yeah. you could and yeah. therefore you know you could you can't but you could tech like you know theoretically technically you could but you're, you're not going to do that so you're always always thinking oh i could i could know more if i researched this extra point or that extra point or if i read this extra piece of work so um it's understandable that we feel that way in our parents generation what you had a library you'd go to the library and start reading about something um for like two hours through a whole book to find one sentence oh my gosh i i ask siri sometimes like siri (laughs) what's the you know the capital of spain yeah you know i could be cooking and siri's over there and i just love that and and i think we we take that for granted sometimes that we have all this information at our disposal, at our, at our disposal. Right. Um, but then we feel guilty for not knowing it all. So then we're like, oh, we're, we're shit. Like, we don't know any, I don't know anything. But actually, you know a lot. You know, probably know more than the person who did your job 15 years ago or 13 years ago. So, you know. That's, that's a good right? That is yeah. a good Yeah. Because, yeah, no, I, I get, um, yeah. Hmm. you get it too everyone gets it especially but I don't again I don't want to bring the woman thing in but I feel like women just generally or the women I've worked with that's few people in my industry but the people that I have worked with the women that I have worked with they just they feel exactly the same you just feel like and then you just feel like you don't know enough or you don't know enough as your male counterpart and then um you either 
and I get two types of women in my uh, kind of industry that I've met super successful super lovely really really intelligent um just aspiring women or really difficult to work with um kind of like there's that competitiveness that's Mm -hmm. that's come up from being around the environments that they've been around it's understandable why they're like that but what i've seen is these two different types of women Mm -hmm. um and yeah, it's just a, it's just a result of, of not really, I don't know, just not having the same standard steps to get to where you want to get to as a man does in what I do personally. I I just have to give up more. That's very true in, in a, in a lot of fields. And it's interesting that you, that you mentioned um, this point about how women feel next to their male counterparts in, you know, in terms of how much they know and, and things like that. And I, and I feel like men, in general, can bullshit better. I mean, and I'm saying this as a compliment, you know, it, that confidence of, yes, I know this thing and, and this, is, this is the case and I'm letting you know that this is the case and not doubting themselves. Um, but um, yeah, and you yeah. great advice on how to boost confidence. Yeah, wear heels and know your shit and you'll know be Know your shit, you, that's <laughs> it. That is... Um, that's some good stuff. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like that in your in, in my, your career? Well, um, when I would go on site a lot more, yeah, um, I, I would. <laughs> back in the day, um, when it, when I had a lot more access to sites and I did a lot more site visits, um, I would find that the builders would speak to them the man that I'm with, even if it's someone who drove me to site and he's not even an architect, he's not an engineer. He's just, he just drove me to site Mm -hmm. and he's helping me measure something. They would speak to him. Um, and there's always that awkward moment where he sort of looks at me and I'm like, and that, that uncomfortable moment where I'm like, you know what? Sometimes I let it slide. And sometimes I sort of you know, bring their attention to me. Like my eyes are here and also talk to me, not the guy that I'm with. Um, But I think you, and there is a lot of, and there have been instances where I've been on site and, um, and, you know, encountered some unpleasantness uh, from whoever's working there. But that's, uh, you have to be fair. And that's not the case with um, every, everyone I've met in construction or every site that I've been to but it does happen. And I'm sure it, you know, it's, this is exclusive to women and, and men. Yeah. Definitely, um, well, it's probably yeah. worse in um, construction, just po- probably because there aren't that many women. They're not just, they're, they're not used to it. So obviously yeah. they're going to turn their eyes. I mean, I'm not making excuses, but I, I can imagine that it's work. At least in the office, there are things in place to try and um, kind of, you know teach people the right way about of going you know teaching people how it should be in the workplace and what the ideals are and then trying to work towards that you have seminars you have whatever forums you have all these things but I wouldn't imagine that that happens in um kind of the construction landscape of things I wouldn't I I don't know does it happen is it taught so I I've in on smaller sites um, 
I've, I've encountered that issue more than I do on, um, you know, commercial. So if it's a huge hotel, if it's a huge, um, block of apartments, it's, it, it's quite different, but it's the, I don't know how to describe right. No, no, that, that makes sense. Scale. Um, I think because they're smaller companies, so they don't have, like you said, those measures in place for, um, like, like seminars or, um, you know, an information, like an info video, like in right. the how to, yeah. um, so that is, but that makes, that makes sense. Cause we're the same. Like when I was in the, the London office, because it's, it's, it's a larger office, yeah. you, you know, it's, it's more well known. They have these kind of understandings of, of how women should be treated in the workplace, how men should be treated in the workplace. Um, and then when I went to the Doha office, it's, um, they view women so differently and, uh, there's not much, I mean, it's an anomaly to compare, um, cause you said, you know, the smaller companies or the smaller construction, um, facilities have a different way of, you know, working towards women, working with women. Um, it's hard to do a direct comparison because Doha is just such an anomaly in terms of the way they treat women, but it is similar in the sense that they have, uh, kind of less force towards pushing that agenda of equality for women in the workplace right but having said that it's you know some if you say Qatar if you say like a Islamic country people automatically think that women wouldn't have um, the same opportunities or the same you know rights or whatever and sometimes some weird things happen like in the law where like women who aren't married and want to start working need to get some kind of permission and there's weird shit like that that happens that suddenly you're just like whoa this is the this is a very religious country and like yeah. you know but other times like we had more women partners in our doha office mm. than we had in the london office and it's such a bigger office than the london office yet we still had less women partners yeah. and you know there was this level of respect that's shown to women in um the doha office because there is this kind of old school mentality of women should be treated with, you know, um, respect. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Very if that's old, old fashioned. Very women. old fashioned. Not yeah, very old fashioned. Times. Not with the current times <laughs> of treating women like shit. Um, <laughs> but, but no, it's true. Like they, they, they have this kind of chivalrous. Mm response to women and that's how they should treat them so so it's nice it was different um and like i said there was some weird shit that went on legally sometimes where you're like whoa um but other times it was nice like you know you you can get away from, with a lot of things as a woman as well like you maybe you know you don't look great when you're working from home and you don't want to turn on your camera and that's that's fine they wouldn't see that as you know and i, I know my brother when he's working in London he has to always have his camera on yeah and at one point we were working together and he was like Megan do you not have to switch on your camera because I was in my pajamas all the time and I was like no I I don't like it's fine because I'm a girl they don't yeah <laughs> privilege <laughs> respect <laughs> but yeah Ah, I love, do you know what? and it's not just the workplace I just when you were talking I remembered something um 
a little while ago, a week or two, um, I, there was a nail in my tire. So I drove over mm -hmm. some nails, had to get it, had to get it changed. And I went to the garage with my friend who is male. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, the, what are they called? What are they, what's they called? The, the garage guy. Um, yes, the garage guy. What are they called? No. The, um, <laughs> it's really poor that we don't know this. I feel like we're just blanking. It's fine. Mechanic. Mechanic. There yes. we go. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> the garage. Anyways. Um, so yes, I was speaking to the mechanic, you know, trying to understand what happened, how to properly put air in my tires and mid conversation, he's looking me in the eye and he just, he just moves over to my friend. Just, yeah, and starts <gasps> and then what did you do and i was like i just let it happen because he was really sweet and he was quite old right um right <laughs> but yeah yeah so i just let it slide yeah. um, so so you mentioned these little funny instances in the law where mm. you know it's a it's a ridiculous law where a woman needs her husband's permission or her father's permission to get a job or drive a car or whatever um i think i'm quite optimistic when it just in general and i feel like these are probably things that are you know in in the whatever constitution from way way back and eventually someone will notice how strange this law is and and get to it and hopefully change it i i agree with you it's i mean it's already changing in so many aspects and um you're right it, it will inevitably happen it's these because we look at it and we're like what it's so all it's so silly that it's inevitably going to change um but i mean some people would argue that it's changing too quickly in certain countries um and that it might lead to kind of um rapid change that isn't necessarily beneficial for the country itself um but and, and and i'm always i'm always conscious about giving judgment on these laws and these things because at the end of the day this is a culture they they are more than welcome to implement whatever you know laws and ideas it's a country that whichever country you know middle eastern countries countries in far east uh, asia countries in south america whatever you have the right to implement the laws that you want to implement and when we look at these laws we're looking at it from a western lens and we're looking at it from oh my god a woman can't drive that's yeah. ridiculous like that's so unfair and whatever and it is and it is ridiculous um but i i like to try and understand people don't just make up ridiculous laws and put them well i hope they don't i don't know many lawyers but they seem to be sensible people and they wouldn't do that right so when you know when i see laws like this you're like okay well, what was the reason why it came about in the first place why did it come about? Like, was it that at the time it was necessary because it was so unsafe to do that, mm -hmm. to um, have a woman be driven? And now it's kind of just trickled through and really women do drive on the low and it's kind of like the right to bear arms in the US. Yeah. Like at the time it was written, it was written for a reason, but now it's just not really that necessary. necessary. Exactly. So, so I try not to judge it too much. But um, but even the people of those these countries, they probably think, yeah, this is stupid, and they probably will change it. Um, but it has its reasons. I see. 
Very I diplomatic. That is a, a very strategic answer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm convinced. But overall, how did you find your time in Doha? So, I mean, like, I really enjoyed it. It was such, you know what, I always say it's like being at university mm-hmm. and it's because everyone's an expat and no one has their family around. So you're just meeting new people all the time and there's not much to do but to go to bars and restaurants. <laughs> so it just, yeah, it just reminded me of uni and it was so fun. And the people I met were from all different parts of the world and they were so interesting and it forced me to come out of my little Iranian friend bubble, which I love, by the um, way. <laughs> I do, but it, it forced me to kind of meet these new different people um, from like America, from England, from Australia, from, you know, all these Middle Eastern countries. It was super, super, super nice. Um, there, yeah, go ahead. No, go for it. No, continue. Oh, I was just going to say it was, um, there, it wasn't all like sunshine and roses. It was, you know, there was some stuff which I wish <laughs> wasn't there. Um, and there's a lot of inequality and things like that that happened in the country as well that I it was not overlooked by myself like it wasn't ideal um luck you know this is a horrible thing to say but luckily I was coming as a British citizen and you get so many privileges there that you wouldn't with any other passport or you know countries that are maybe not as high up in the passport ranks um but from my experience I really enjoyed it well I love that and and it's interesting how you mentioned that um it brought you out of your Iranian bubble because I used to, for those, those of you who don't know, um, I used to live in Dubai when I was young, well, from zero to 14, basically. So uh, the majority of my life. Um, and I think Dubai for me was my Iranian bubble. It felt like little Iran because I didn't grow up in Iran, um, but it felt like I did because I went to an Iranian school. I, um, you know, know how to read and write in Farsi and that's why your Farsi is so good thank you very much I read yeah. yes wow credits that's some hard shit for those of you who don't know classes <laughs> there's some hard shit I need to I need to ask your mom about her poetry class yeah you guys need to get together on that that would be amazing um but uh yeah I I love Dubai it was a uh, nice and sunny UK was a uh, big change but yeah I mean yeah I've I've grown to love it feeling that right now because it's just so groggy and horrible here but really sunny today yeah it's actually it's actually been really good today (laughs) I should not be wearing this jumper yeah you need to change (laughs) I need to change get the bikini out next episode (laughs) next episode Isla will be presenting in a bikini so you know if that doesn't sell it I don't know what will um, thank you so much for, for your time today and for joining us and for the, for the lovely conversation. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing. I love talking about myself. <laughs>